0: That's uh-huh.
1: Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Audio Judo, a very special episode of Audio Judo, our second ever Christmas episode.
2: I'm Kyle. And I am Matthew. Welcome to Audio Judo, a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Uh, We arranged to release this episode on Christmas Day 2020, so if you're listening on the release day, I hope you are having a Merry Christmas. Join your family as much as possible under the current conditions of this ridiculous year. Uh, Also... Hanukkah ended on December 18th, so I hope our Jewish friends enjoyed the Festival of Lights this season as well. If you are listening some other day, our hope is that your holiday season was everything you wanted it to be, and it is our sincere wish that 2021 holds better things than this past year did. Oh, that would be nice. Uh, so, as Kyle mentioned, I'd like to welcome everyone to our second holiday, second annual holiday episode. Second uh, Annual. Annual. Uh, Last year, we were joined by a special guest, our resident holiday expert and my wife, Heather. That episode was so successful that we decided to invite her back. So welcome back, Heather.
1: Thank you very much. We're glad you could make it back all the way from the living room. All
2: the way from in there.
0: I know. It was far.
2: How is your uh, (laughs) Christmas decorating going so far?
0: I'm behind where I want to be, as I am every year, but I'm about five trees in. Now, so.
1: And you're doing how many this year? 13. Ooh, not even halfway yet. Right. But it's not quite Thanksgiving when we're recording. So Correct.
0: I think you got a while. I, I, I'm going to knock a few out this, this weekend. So. Nice.
2: Really? Yes. Okay.
1: <laughs> I was going to say, when you say, I'm going to knock out a few, do you mean Matthew's going to be doing a
0: few as he well? He might put a couple up. Yeah. But okay. he's not allowed to decorate. I'm not allowed
2: to oh. decorate. They'd all have, like, decorations on one side. Verboten. Just... One side of decorations in the back would be bare. But, you know, so what?
1: You got to get a corner tree for that. Then you've only got to decorate a corner. Exactly.
2: It's one of them balsams.
1: (laughs) Top tip. Just letting everybody know.
2: You Just put it in a corner. Yeah. Uh, Last year, uh, we spent a good deal of time talking about the history of holiday music with a strong focus on Christmas music. Uh, We talked about where it came from, what its roots were, and how it developed into a more commercial enterprise, like most things Christmas, and what its place is in the current musical spectrum then we each talked about our five favorite holiday songs Um, this year we decided to each pick our favorite holiday album and talk about that to fall a little more in line with what audio judo typically does yeah so the original air quotes original christmas album was actually just titled merry christmas by bing crosby released in 1945. this Mm -hmm. album was the number one Christmas album for six years and actually topped the pop charts for 39 weeks. Whoa! It has sold over 15 million copies, second only to Elvis Presley's Blue Christmas. It includes Mele Kalikimaka, Jingle Bells, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, and the number one Christmas song of all time, White Christmas, which as a single has sold over 50 million copies. Whew. In fact, this record... Other than the original cast recording of Oklahoma, which was released in 1943, is the longest continuous in-print record in the music industry. Wow. Uh, It also still charts. In 2018, (laughs) this record charted at number 45 on the Billboard 200, speaking to the enduring popularity of holiday music. And because of that, pretty much every artist has released some form of a holiday record. Hmm. It just makes sense because they sell. There are bands, artists that base their whole careers on their backs of the holiday season. Bands like Mannheim Steamroller, Trans-Siberian Orchestra, Michael Buble to some degree, even the newest to the fold, Pentatonics, seem to center their work on the season and to great benefit as they sell out, or did sell out, thanks COVID, their concert tours and sell record after record. So our plan, we each chose one record, And we're going to talk about why it's our favorite. And unlike a lot of what audio judo does, the merits of why it is our favorite will most likely not be musicianship or the lyrics or anything like that, but probably the memories that it conjures. Um, The feelings the song evoke and the joy that it brings. So let's get started.
1: Oh, goody. I get to start this one off,
2: don't I? you got any background before you jump into yours?
1: I I got so much background about my record. So uh, not necessarily personal background. I got to be honest with you. I don't really know why I like this record. It's been in my Christmas rotation for for many, many years. It's the Ventures Christmas album uh, from uh, 1965. It's a very um, surf music Christmas album, I guess is a good way to put it. Uh, uh, That's a good way to put it. And I don't really, it's, it's, like I said, I found it first when I was probably 15 or 16 in a record store. Well, actually probably in the secondhand store, but it was on a record. And it, um, it's just kind of been there since then. I've, always, I've had a copy of it since then, and it's always at least one or two tracks on here come up every Christmas season if I've got to make a playlist or whatever.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: If you're not familiar with who the Ventures are, um, they're an American instrumental rock band that uh, was formed in 1958 in Tacoma, Washington by Don Wilson and Bob Bogle. Weirdly, they are one of those bands that so few people, like, if you're like, oh, The Ventures, people are like, yeah, I don't know who that is. But they are incredibly influential. Um, they helped popularize the electric guitar sound uh, in the United States and in Europe and Japan, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're still incredibly popular in Japan. Yeah. Their popularity here sort of waned in the 70s. But uh, uh, like I did say, they're instrumental. And I think that's one of the reasons why they were Their popularity sort of spread around the world because there were no lyrics to
2: understand. They are the best-selling instrumental band of all time. Exactly. With over 110 million records sold.
1: Yeah. Uh, Walk, Don't Run, their very first single ever, is frequently cited by many famous guitar players as one of their most influential songs. They also did uh, the song that you'll probably recognize the most... Uh, the Hawaii Five O theme song was recorded by them. It was composed by a man named Morton Stevens, uh, but The Ventures' version of it became the one that was made popular by the TV show, and it actually charted at number four on the Billboard Top 100
2: uh, charts. Mm-hmm.
1: They have uh, 38 albums that have charted in the
2: U.S., and they've released over 250, 250. <laughs> yeah, which is just just crazy that's a crazy number it is
1: nuts they are number six best overall chart performer of the 1960s and you got to remember 1960s beatles elvis rolling stones
2: the doors the
1: doors there were so many huge acts there and they were number
2: six that is uh that's a little Uh, insane in
1: 1963 they had five lps on the billboard top 100 (laughs) they have total 14 singles that have hit the billboard top 100 uh, like Matthew said, over 100 million records sold, uh, which makes them the best-selling instrumental rock band of all time. Their recording of Walk, Don't Run uh, was inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame for its lasting impact on music. And in 2008, uh, the whole group was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame.
2: Pretty, pretty, pretty good pedigree here. Yeah, it's, good. it's a good pedigree. I didn't know they also recorded the famous version of Wipeout.
1: Yes. they. Well, they re-recorded it.
2: Was it a re-recording? Yes. So right. they
1: did not create that. They re-recorded it, and their version became Very, very popular just because of the name brand. So there are two things that we do need to bring up about uh, uh, sort of surf bands from this era. So number one, most of them had rotating rosters. One or two core musicians would hang out for a long time, and a lot of the other musicians would swap out from time to time. Uh, So on this particular album, it was uh, Don Wilson on rhythm guitar, Bob Bogle on bass, uh, Nokie Edwards on lead guitar, and Mel Taylor on drums. The other thing we need to talk about is that during this time, All of the surf rock bands were covering each other constantly. Mm. So one would come out with Wipeout, and then 20 other bands would cover it with slightly different versions. And then one of those would chart. And then some band would come out with uh, uh, Ghost Riders on the Storm. Mm. And that one would chart. Then 20 other people would cover it. it. It's a very weird, it's very difficult to figure out. Who created the songs originally? Because if you go look and you're like, oh, this is the version I'm most familiar with. You go look at it and it's like written by so-and-so and so-and-so. And -and And you're like, oh, and then you look them up and it's like, oh, they were in this other band. And then it's like, oh, they wrote it, but they didn't originally record it. They sold it to some other band. And then you go look that band up and it's like, oh, that's the original recording of it. But it was written by these guys from this band and then made famous by these other guys from this other band.
2: So this is more of a surf music phenomenon
1: yes i mean i'm sure it happens in other genres but it's very very popular in surf music for a song to become popular and then every other surf band covers it and mm-hmm. a lot of times they would f- use it to fill in like you know obviously at the time they were selling sing- a lot of single records they would use it on the b side of a record
2: the 45 is the 45 like, uh, there yes. you go.
1: Uh, they would use it on the b side of a single record in order to up their sales so if you knew Wipeout was a really popular song and you weren't sure about your new track, how good oh, it was going to be, out, yeah. you'd throw a Wipeout on the back of it. But well, anyways, I, I digress. Surf music for Christmas. A little bit of a weird fit. No, but, that's okay. Uh, I like it. I like it a lot because it's a—it's uh, cold, it's dark, it's snowy, you want to think about summer to well, me. You
2: want to think about the beach.
1: Yeah. So this album peaked at number nine when it was originally released on the top 100 charts. It's very short. It's only not even 27 minutes long. And it's, they're all secular Christmas songs on here. So there's nothing, uh, nothing religious directly really? on this album. Yeah. Cover is super simple. It's a Christmas wreath with some guitars sticking through it. It's a photograph by uh, Ken Kim, who uh, did the photography and the art direction for the album. Yeah. Real simple, very 60s album cover look to it.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. To start it out with, these are all super common, popular winter and Christmas songs. Uh, opens with Sleigh Ride, but it's a little bit different. It starts out as the Venture's famous walk, don't run, and then morphs into Sleigh Ride, and it sounds a little bit like this. snowflakes is the next track that was it yeah that's it well that's not the whole song obviously that's just a little clip of it but uh i mean i could play it but this is a really i figured you know sleigh ride is such a, a well-known song didn't think everybody needed to hear it over and over and over again no Plus, uh so encourage people to go listen to the track so if you just liked that go listen to the track uh snowflakes the next track on here it's actually uh green sleeves famous ancient tune i guess you would call it that was used for uh what Child Is This?
2: I believe we talked about that last year, didn't yeah,
1: we? I think we did. Uh, William Chatterton Dix, 1865. Very uh, <laughs> Chatterton. <laughs> but this uh, this particular arrangement of it is uh, is credited to Bogle Edwards, Taylor, and Wilson. It's a, it's, it's a very nice cover of the song. Um, Santa Claus Is Coming to Town actually incorporates parts of uh, the song Wooly Bully by Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs. Um,
2: oh, Sam Sam, Sam the, the Sham. Sam
1: the Sham. Uh, Jingle Bells incorporates uh, pieces of uh, Point Panic by the Safaris, who are the band who originally recorded Wipeout. That's what we were talking about a little bit earlier. Uh, Jingle Bell Rock uh, incorporates parts of uh, Memphis by Johnny Rivers. I really like this version of Jingle Bell Rock, especially this part where it's the uh, incorporation of Memphis.
2: Uh, bluesy at the beginning. Yes, it's very, very heavy. Upbeat. Heavy blues at the beginning. Yeah. And then it, uh, you know, speeds up a little bit.
1: Yeah. Uh, Silver Bells, Orville Red Rhodes, uh, playing steel guitar on this one, uh, into a talk box, which, as far as people can tell, this is only the second time that's ever been recorded on an album.
2: How yeah, they popularized the fuzz guitar sound. They did, yeah. At the very beginning of what, the early 60s? Yeah.
1: Uh, Red actually invented the standalone fuzz unit in 1962 and they used it the ventures used it before on an album called the uh, in space that was released in uh, 1963 and it sounds by today's standards it's a, a little uh, weak but this is what it sounded like originally
2: You know what that sounds like
1: frampton comes alive no because <laughs> i say it's not quite frampton comes alive but what do you think it sounds like
2: it sounds like it sounds like that part in back to the future when marty's was like fading away and mm-hmm. he's still trying to strum the guitar <laughs> on stage and it's like
1: it definitely, uh, this song definitely is not the strongest song on
2: this album and then he holds his hand up in front of his face and it's he's becoming like coming all transparent in, exactly That's what that feels like, too. That's the visual that I get.
1: And then uh, we're going to imply that a white guy invented rock and roll, so we're going to take that away from him, too.
2: Marvin Barry.
1: Marvin Barry. (laughs) It's your cousin, Marvin. (laughs) Marvin Barry. Genius. Genius. Uh, Frosty the Snowman, up next. I'm sorry. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is up next, which opens with uh, the Beatles' I Feel Fine. Is that what that was? Yeah. Weird combination, but it works. Uh, Frosty the Snowman opens with the Champs' tequila. How old was... I feel fine by Not then. Not very old. A couple of years, maybe.
2: This is 65, right? Yeah.
1: Wow. And they actually... What's... Again, this is another one of those weird things where the Beatles were influencing every single band out there at the time, and the Beatles were also also listening to so many different bands. There's a part where I believe it's George Harrison says... I should have written down the quote now, but uh, he says something very nice about the Ventures guitar player. He says that it was the sound was revolutionary and it sounds better than anything that's coming out of Great Britain right now. Something like that.
2: I'm pretty Pretty sure you say that at least once an episode.
1: What? I should have written that down. Yes. (laughs) It's because I do so much research and if I write it all down, (laughs) I end up with like 10 pages and I'm like, okay, this is i I'm going to be here for 12 hours. And then I go through and I, I'm not going to use this quote and then I throw it out and then something comes up and it's a perfect setup and I'm like, yeah.
2: I Feel Fine okay. was released on November 23rd, 1964. So a year So this. A year. So they, they listened to it, borrowed it, stuck it on their record.
1: Yeah. Like I said, Frosty the Snowman uh, starts out with the champ's tequila. Tequila!
2: <laughs>
1: Made famous, of course, by uh, Pee Wee Herman. Mm-hmm. The next song is called Scrooge. It's a very
2: weird... That was very strange.
1: It sounds almost like a Halloween song to me. It sounds like it would fit really well in A Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, Ooh. I think... Nobody one, picked that one. A Nightmare Before Christmas? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Somebody yeah. should have... That. That's it's next year. really... Is it
0: a
2: Halloween I mean, album?
0: It's kind of a crossover, so you can't really lump it into just Christmas.
2: Yeah. But that's, it is a holiday record. That's true. It just true. depends on your... Right. Holiday of choice
1: uh, coming up next fall. Best records of fall, uh, so we can <laughs> best all pick Halloween we can, records. We can all pick this this record and find a place for it to fit. I
2: believe. Just jam it in, yeah. Just Don't jam they it in. Like
0: uh, uh, this is Halloween. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And like yeah. Yeah, that is. This is that has. This is Halloween.
1: <whistles> <on> it.
2: <whistles> That's it. As
1: far as I can tell, Scrooge is an original composition by The Ventures. Um, it's credited to them. It's kind of a weird fit on this album. Uh, Next up, cover of Blue Christmas, uh, which incorporates parts of The Searchers uh, when you
2: walk into the room. Because doesn't everybody do a version of Blue Christmas? Of course. Did you know
1: that uh, it's not an original Elvis composition,
2: though? I didn't. uh, Didn't we talk about this?
1: We may have. uh, Billy Hayes and J. W. Johnson, originally performed by Doy O'Dell in 1948. So Mm -hmm. quite a ways before this. Doy. I'm pretty...
2: Doy. 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 I'm pretty sure Elvis... I'm going to offend somebody out there. I'm pretty sure Elvis didn't do anything originally. Oh.
1: Uh, peanut butter and banana sandwiches. That I is think true. are an Elvis invention. That may positive. have been.
2: Other than that, he shook his hips. That's true. But I don't know that he, I know he didn't compose anything yeah. at all. So whatever, go on. Uh,
1: we wish you a Merry Christmas. Classics. This is probably, if you've ever heard a track off this album, this is probably the one. Uh, it opens with these really quiet bells playing a really classic version of the song and then it swings into some guitar. No clip? No clip for this one, sorry. Oh boy. I want people to go listen to it and I can only pick three clips. Oh, so uh,
2: uh, I did hamstring you there, I'm sorry. This is
1: probably the most traditional cover on this entire album. It sounds very much like other versions of this, but with a little bit of swing guitar and it swing guitar in the background. What are we talking about? We wish you a Merry Christmas.
2: Okay.
1: Uh finally, last one on here, White Christmas. It's a surf-styled cover of the Irving Berlin classic.
2: So they did a blue Christmas and a white Christmas. Yes.
1: All the Christmases. As most do.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I don't you know. You need both, both colors. I don't know
1: if you are familiar with the surf band Santo and Johnny. No. Uh, Sleepwalk
2: is their most famous song. <laughs>
3: Ah,
2: I kind of recognize that from
1: your <laughs> wah, wah, wah We can play it later and you'll immediately recognize it. All right. right. Um, but uh, the, I spent a lot of time researching this song because their version of White Christmas definitely took influences from Santo and Johnny. I'm almost positive it pulled directly from one of their songs. I know that I've heard it before. I can't figure out what song it is. And it was driving me insane for like three days because I, w- I just kept like, okay, let's listen to other, let's listen to like 10 albums today to try to figure out which song it is. Not to get like halfway through songs, like it's not this one next, it's not this one next, it's not this one next. Did you listen to all
2: next. of Santo and Johnny's catalog? Not just to f- figure it all out?
1: of it, but as much as I could find. Hmm. A lot of stuff on YouTube. And there's a couple of people on YouTube that are like, this isn't Sleepwalk, but what is it? I, gotta I, don't know. This couldn't, down. Couldn't I don't know that I've out. ever
2: heard of Santo and Johnny.
1: So uh, if you are out there and you listen to this version of the song and you listen to uh, and you're familiar with Santo and Johnny, I'm sure a large part of our, our listener base is.
2: Uh, if you are, <laughs> Could however. Could be all of our Indian listeners. possible. Hello to you.
1: Yes. Welcome. If you are familiar with it, though, and you know what song influenced this version of White Christmas, drop me a line. Info at AudioJudo.com or Kyle at AudioJudo.com. com. Mm, nice. I want to know.
2: And that's it. So what? after doing a, wait, so after doing a Beach Boys episode earlier in the year, yes. Kyle, I'm getting this sneaking suspicion that you like surf style music.
1: I do. And I believe I, I came out of the surf music closet during that Beach Boys episode, didn't I? Yeah, you did.
2: You did. <laughs> I, that, I do. Which, it, which surprises me about it. it just, well, it's it's just it's one of those things.
1: So I- Have I, you ever surfed? I have not ever surfed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm way too top heavy to surf. I <laughs> do would be you, like, play, Whoop. <laughs> you play? immediately. surf sharp. guitar? I do just... not play surf guitar. Oh, well, uh, yeah, I uh, hmm. I did try uh, skimboarding once, uh, and uh, failed painful. miserably. Got all sand rash chafed. all over, chafed on all the exposed skin. <laughs> so I don't uh, know. <laughs> and then the uh, the second time I was going to go uh, skimboarding, it's a horrible story but I'm going to tell it anyways, because I feel like it needs to be out there now. Uh, I'm just going to distract us from Christmas here. I was headed down to the Virgin River, which Matthew's very familiar with. uh, I am familiar. In St. He is, yeah. And uh, a lot of people used to go skimboarding down there, and as we were headed down there, there was an ambulance by the side of the river. Was it there for me? It was there to get Matthew out of the quicksand. (laughs) No, uh, it turned out what had happened is uh, there was a kid that... uh, I did not know him personally, but he was my sister's age and she knew him, knew of him. Anyways, he had been skimboarding and he, I don't know if you've ever been skimboarding, but you throw the skimboard on like wet sand and then jump on it and try to ride it. He was doing that. He fell off and uh, landed in such a way that he, part of his male anatomy, found a piece of rebar that oh. had been hidden in the sand. Merry Christmas, and, everybody. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, he earned the nickname Uniball after that. <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> Uniball in Uniball. The Virgin River. Yeah. Woof. <laughs> so, uh, uh, I decided not to ever skimboard again after that and, uh, I haven't to this day.
2: But made up for it by listening to a bunch of surf style music. Yes, it did. More research about them I, as I dug into the ventures. Yeah. I think you had brought this up, but they are not only just kind of successful, in Japan. They are the most successful American rock and roll band from the United States. That is correct. In yes. Japan. They actually outsell the Beatles 2 to 1. 2 to 1 in Japan. So I guess I didn't realize that the Japanese people had such an affinity for surf music.
1: I think it's got a lot to do with, you know, they they do love Hawaii. They love hmm. the Pacific
2: Islands. True?
1: They love that sort of uh it's such a tiki vibe sort of,
2: though. It's like Yeah, just It's very uh, interesting.
1: I think it's sort of in the same way that we think of like popular American vacation places. Like, you know, a lot of people go to like Southern California. Mm -hmm. So there's that sort of Southern California, you know, rock kind of kickback at the beach sound.
2: Mm, Laid Uh, back.
1: Yeah. I think that Japanese people think of a lot of surf music and Hawaiian styled music the same way because so many of them take vacations to Hawaii.
2: They think all Americans are on the beach. Eh, I think all Hawaiians
1: are on the beach all the time, I'm sure.
2: Also, so besides the fuzz guitar sound, Mm -hmm. uh, they were also one of the earliest proponents of the concept record, basically recording around a particular theme, which is unique in its own right, when you take into consideration that it had to, out of necessity, be an instrumental theme, Mm -hmm. not a lyrical theme, which is not easy to do. But that is, uh, I like that. I listened to it on a run. It It was very good. Very surfy. Yeah. But it's um, interesting.
1: It's a fun, like I said, it's, it's, I rarely listen to it as a whole album. If I'm honest, a lot of these tracks come out of here when I need to make a Christmas playlist where I need something to like, you know, okay, here's like the three standards that everybody plays. And I need what? some other stuff to go in here and I'll pick a couple songs out of this and throw them in there. Cause they're unique enough that a lot of people have never heard them. Mm. They're good enough that a lot of people aren't going to be like, what is this crap? And they're upbeat enough that it's, you know, not a
0: sad Christmas song, which is just depressing for everybody. So I have a question. Yes. Since it's an instrumental... Do you find that when you listen to it, you actually sing the lyrics to what the actual song Ooh. is? Like, I do that.
2: That's a good question.
0: It depends on how many beers I've had.
2: <laughs> Let's consider maybe you've had three Maple Mackinac <laughs> Fudge beers.
1: Uh, three of those? Yes, I would definitely be singing the lyrics. <laughs> laying on the ground, slurring my speech.
2: Be bells sing.
3: ring. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs>
2: But I like that. That's a that's a unique choice. I I I dig it. I dig good.
1: it. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad that you guys weren't like, God's choice sucks, pass it on. But we'll say
2: that <laughs> after you leave. I figured as much. Heather, what do you got for us?
0: All right, so there are so many, and it's just just like last year. You asked me to put it in a little box and give you just a certain amount, and that's just very me. very mean because <laughs> I'm you know, an asshole. What could I say? It's an entire season. It's months and months of listening to different music, but I had to go with Michael Bu- Buble's christmas album which is um and and honestly it's because he 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 was able to combine all of those that i love all in one and you know with the modern day crooner uh vibe it it's just it's an incredible album so uh a little bit of history on the album itself so it's his seventh studio album it's his first full-length holiday album he actually did have an album prior to this but it was it only had 5 songs on it and he actually incorporated those songs into the full length album. It was released in the US in October of 2011 and by December it rose to number 1 on the Billboard 200 album sales chart and it held that spot for the next 4 weeks. So not quite as impressive as the Bing Crosby one but still, you know, respectable. It is his most successful album. Of all of his albums. Wow. You, got, you got a number yeah. on that? Um, it Well, I, I have a little bit. I, as of 2020, it has sold 4.38 million in the U.S. alone.
2: U.S. alone. Wow. Yeah. 12 million worldwide.
0: Whoa. It, pretty incredible. It also won a Juno Award in 2012 for Album of the Year being the first holiday album to ever earn this award.
2: Which is a reminder that for that the people awesome. out there. The Junos are the basically the Canadian Grammys. Mm-hmm. So,
0: thank you very much. Um, and uh, he promoted this album in that same year, in in December of 2011, on at the NBC television special, A Michael Buble Christmas, which I watched when it when it came out. It was it was great. Um, and he's continued to wear the crown of Mister Christmas through the last nine years.
2: I would say that's fairly accurate. Yeah.
0: Even though he only has the one. Full-length Christmas full length, album. Yeah. He's, Pretty incredible. He has said in interviews that all of the songs that appear on this album are his sentimental favorites. Hmm, and there's only nice. one originally written uh, song on on the album.
2: Which, ironically, is my least favorite on that record.
0: Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. Hmm. So I personally love this album because he takes what are a lot of my own favorites and he weaves them into a tapestry of lively holiday cheer mixed with nostalgia topped with Buble's sweet dulcet tones. Mm -hmm. It moves from dance floor excitement to childhood memories to New Orleans balconies, watching the passing parade to sipping hot chocolate, watching the snowflakes dance on the icy breeze. So it's warm and fun from the first song to the last. So... I like that. Um, now we'll go into the songs. It starts out with a dreamy entryway, very mystical. It leads into the imagery in my head of a snow dusted street and kicking off with, It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. It brings all of those emotions and the excitement of the coming season to life. And he makes me want to start putting up my Christmas trees because. <laughs> It takes a while to get I mean, them that all up. That makes
2: sense. Yeah. It does take, it does take a, <laughs> it takes a bit.
0: And here's a little taste of that song.
4: It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas Toys in every store But the prettiest sight to see Is the holly that will be on your own front door. Sure, it's Christmas once a more.
0: He finishes off the song with an addition of the Italian word for love which is an homage to his roots and a fitting expression for the season.
2: It's a great song. So if you gave him a crappier mic, it would be hard to distinguish that song from something that was recorded in 2011 to something that was recorded in 1945. Agreed. because His voice in that particular song is so rich and velvety that he fits right in with like the Crosby's, the Como's the Andy Williams and that the only, like if you just gave him a shittier mic and clipped it a couple of times, it you wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to tell, but because that mic is so good, it's like, Oh, well, that's perfect. It's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. But I, I absolutely love that version of that song.
0: I agree. Um, He goes on to Santa Claus is coming to town um, in, which is the second song on the album. And then um, it goes into the third track, which is Jingle Bells with the Papini sisters. Michael's favorite version, a little, a little trivia here, Michael's favorite version of this song is actually Bing Crosby's version. So bringing it back to the beginning there.
2: It is pretty good. Yeah.
0: This song is actually modeled after the 1943 recording of Bing Crosby and the Andrew sisters. It's very quick tempoed. It has that 30 40s flair, flapper, jazzy, dance hall glitz and dazzle. And it has the big band in the background. It sounds a little bit like this.
4: Flashing through the snow. We are
3: dashing
4: in a one horse open sleigh. One horse
3: sleigh. All
4: the fields we go. All the fields we go. bring making spirits bright. Oh, what fun it is to ride and sing a sleighing song night Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in one horse open all sleigh! Oh, I- jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in one horse open
2: sleigh! This is my favorite song on the record by far. Definite throwback to, to back then. So as you mentioned, these are the Papini sisters. Unlike the Andrews sisters, uh, they aren't actual sisters, but oh, more of a performance group. There's only one Papini, and then they, uh, she kind of hires people to fill that out. Uh, but they're fantastic, and I know we have talked about this very much. Uh, you and your wife have talked about the
1: Papini before.
2: No. Very much remind me of the Maharel sisters from the Finger Lakes. From the Finger Lakes. And all I end up picturing is Kristen Wig <laughs> as Dounies
0: with her tiny baby hands <laughs> popping the bubbles in the air, all the way from the, the Finger White White Lakes.
2: Show. That's all. That's How all, can
0: you not? How can, it brings me joy. Every time I that's listen I to I it, picture. because that's what I'm seeing in my head.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I can't see anything but that. A one and two, and a, here we go. Here we go. The sisters from the Finger Lakes. <laughs> <laughs> what do we have to do to get
1: Fred Armisen to star in a like a biopic about uh,
2: Lawrence Welk? Lawrence Welk. That would be great. Probably nothing. I could do it tomorrow.
3: I yeah.
0: All right. Um, then it goes into White Christmas as as is necessary and obligatory. Legally, legally right? have to on every Christmas.
2: I believe it's obligated. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Obligatory. Yes,
0: yes. And uh, with Shania Twain. So, um mm. Fellow then it goes, Canadian. Yes, indeed. Uh, then it goes into uh, the much loved "All I Want for Christmas Is You." Who? Maybe.
2: But <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! That just t- took a turn. <laughs>
0: Um, a holly jolly Christmas.
2: I thought maybe it was my two front teeth. All I want for Christmas is no, my it's two front teeth. You? My... Oh, it's me.
0: Yeah, you. Yay! Uh, a holly jolly Christmas followed by he... Santa Baby. So I have to pause here, Uh-oh. and and you know, so this is the single song on the album that that I I just it it makes me pause mm-hmm. because if you remember last year. Santa Baby was on my naughty list. Yes, mm-hmm. um, because it's just it's it's everybody's intention or the, they feel like they have to sing it in a whiny trying to be sexy voice, and it's just it's terrible. It We're just looking at you, at my skin. Eartha
2: Kitt and yes. Madonna. Oh,
0: terrible! <laughs> Cindy Lauper, all of them. Just so, um, so, but his version, he has this tongue and cheek kind of smarminess. That he creates in in hmm. this version, and it's and it makes it tolerable, like almost verging on enjoyable. Yeah, Ooh.
2: yeah. Wait, listening to it again today, yeah, it's it does have the uh, the smarminess, like he's almost trying too hard to make that to shoehorn that into like the forties fifties sound. Mm-hmm. But uh, the fact that he uh, altered the lyrics to make it a little bit more palatable mm-hmm. and not so slutty, right? <laughs> <laughs> that. That you're like, hmm, all right. Yeah, that's not as horrible. And it's not, you're right, it's not the Santa Come Hither voice. Right.
0: Like it's Santa's got a wife.
2: Right. It's more right? like
0: this is his friend. It's his more like pal, Santa give buddy. me shit voice. Like, hey, bro, you <laughs> hey, what's got, in the you bag? Yeah, give <laughs> me some stuff. On. Yeah. It's it's a much it's a much more <laughs> tolerable version of it. I like that. Yeah. Um, then have yourself a merry little Christmas. And then Christmas, baby, please come home. Silent Night, which has again goes into the obligatory children's choir. You um, must do a
2: children's you, choir.
0: You must have it, Um and uh, it's okay. You know, I I love Silent Night. It's
2: what did you uh, voice compare is that just to?
0: So Caramelly. Well, it's it's day. like the in the Peanuts Christmas. The, the, yeah, the Peanuts. You know, we've got that background. The the children's choir it sounds singing. like forty kids yelling, right, not singing. Right. But he he softens it with his his nice caramelly voice. He does. So. Um, and then Blue Christmas, which is the last clip that I have. Um, this song from Michael's favorite version of this song is by Dean Martin, um, because he liked how laid back Dean was on it.
2: It's because he was always drunk. Yeah. <sighs>
0: which is interesting because of the direction Michael went uh, so yeah, Dean was laid back. Michael Michael went with a more of a swing undertone, and he spiced it up with kind of a New Orleans Zydeco feel, and you can hear that here in the clip.
4: I'll have a blue Christmas. Won't be the same,
0: dear, if you're not here with me. So that takes me back to the years we spent going back and forth on visits and dropping Christian off uh, in the bayou when he was studying at Tulane. Oh,
2: man, it's that's so nice to hear. That that <laughs> sound is so like etched into my brain, that New Orleans sound, that big band, Swing Dixie sound. It's like, whoa, so cool. And it's such a great interpretation of that song.
1: say the big swinging Dixie sound.
2: Dixie sound. (laughs) This is not generally one of my favorite Christmas songs. The Elvis just ruined it for me. It was overplayed. It's everywhere. And I get sick of hearing it.
0: But it's in Year Without a Santa Claus. Well, I was going to say,
2: my favorite version of this is actually in Year Without a Santa Claus. But I think that's more for nostalgia reasons than for musical reasons, but musically this version is is the top version of that song. He's got the perfect Christmas voice. He just does. It just we mm-hmm. Are we gonna have problems? Are you uh no, you're really I, after Boobley, aren't you? I can... I think we're good. <laughs> All right.
0: Um and then he goes into Cold December Night, which is his co-written uh track uh again Probably the least favorite on the album, but but I think it's just because there's no memories that are attached yeah. to it. Yeah. You know? All of the other ones have those memories of childhood and the movies and the and just um just growing up with it year in and year out. And this one's new and so it's hard to have that
2: so in your
1: head. I think we need to earmark this and uh, in about fifty years come back and talk <laughs> about it and
2: see oh. how you
0: feel about it when it's fifty years older.
2: I'm there. All right. Won't remember anything, but I'll be there.
0: <laughs> then into I'll be home for Christmas and finishing up with Ave Maria and Feliz Navidad. And then on some some versions of the cuz there's a couple different editions of the album, he actually has at the end of one of them a montage of music Pieces of music, of songs from all of those claymation movies that we did grow up watching. Oh, cool. And so it's it's actually a really cool montage. Really? Of, I have
2: not heard that yes, yet. Yes. Huh. I should check that out. So first of all, a great choice. The, Agreed. The credits list for this record reads like a who's who of session musicians. If you look at it, uh, Vinny Coluda is one of the finest drummers who's ever lived Josh Freeze, who's played with everyone from Perfect Circle to Guns N' Roses. Bob Rock, who's produced so many outstanding uh, bands over the years. David Foster. Everyone knows David Foster. He's like the quintessential like, pop writer of like movie themes and stuff like that. It's an impressive list. So it's not like he just went in with a bunch of amateurs. This is a solidly put together record from top to bottom. And it's no wonder that it sells 12 million copies, because like you said, it incorporates the nostalgia of, of picking the right songs. Like, obviously there's, there's obligatory choices he has to make, but the way oh, you, Kyle, you and I have talked about this repeatedly about how to pace a record out. Yeah. Like how it works together and, and how you begin it and how you end it is just as critical as everything in between. And just coming out the, out of the gate with it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. This is a perfect choice, but he paces things and structures them in such a way that it's like it's hard to get around that being a quintessential Christmas record that everyone should listen to every year. You just put it in the rotation because it's it's just that good.
0: I agree. I, I do have to say though, there is one song missing that I would love to have included on this album. Mm-hmm. And that? that's the Christmas song.
2: The chestnuts, uh, chestnuts roasting. roasting on an oh. open fire. Somebody's know. chestnuts roasting. Has he?
1: <laughs> has Has Michael Bublé done that somewhere else? I don't. Or... Know. Hmm. We'll that is a
2: that, that is an interesting omission. Mm-hmm.
0: Hmm. I think it's the only one that's that's really missing.
2: I have to. We'll have to look into that. Mm-hmm. But that's an excellent choice. Uh, Kyle, you did a little research during the break. What'd you it, find out? I did.
1: Uh, so I know Heather was just saying that uh, the one song she wished was on uh, Michael Buble's Christmas album was uh, the Christmas song, uh, Chestnuts Roasting on an Open Fire. Sure, sure. It is on the extended version. Oh,
2: how exciting.
1: The, the deluxe special edition. I, I only looked it up on iTunes. I'm sure it's available other
2: places is as well. Is that the deluxe super special expanded edition? It is. Okay, the,
1: good. Uh, platinum. The platinum... The, the 19 gold inch plated. It is the 19 gold. inch uh, gold plated vinyl. Carbon only edition. fiber. Only available in Japan on Tuesdays.
2: Wow. Oh. So it's, it's very, very limited. It's on record store day. You yes. Can only record,
1: it then. record store day only in Japan. Oh, man. Uh, Ka- it could be hard Kyoto to find. Kyoto
2: only. Try Discogs. Yeah. Discogs.com. Right.
0: There's a Christmas present idea. But you know, you have to get me the actual CD. Ooh.
2: You want the CD, you don't want the vinyl. No, you I want, want the CD. You want the compact disc. That's how I disc.
0: listen to my Christmas music.
2: Copy that. Yes. All right. Well, I'll uh I'll get...
0: Compact disc.
2: Through weirdo. The, uh, I'll get cracking on that. The stereo
0: that Whoa. you have from it was it was like the original stereo that we bought
2: from the Incredible Universe
0: in like 1995?
2: 1995 or 6, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This incredible universe store in Denver. With our JBL speakers. Hell yeah. Nice. So uh, so I guess it's my turn. It is. So unlike you two, which seemed like you knew exactly what you wanted to talk about, which is impressive. I had a very difficult time settling on a, an album to choose. I kind of waffled back and forth between several records for different reasons. Uh, and the more I listened to them all, the more difficult it became. They were all important records to me at different and unique stages of my life. For for a while, I was leaning towards "Barry Christmas"
0: by Marty Holmes
2: uh, because of the drive back from Disney World uh, to Michigan, like
0: ten times. Yeah, the kids were little (laughs) and
2: they loved that record, and it was so ridiculous. But but it could be my favorite because it was just so memory filled. It was fantastic. For a while, it was uh, "Bare Naked for the Holidays" by the Bare Naked Ladies. (laughs) Because it is such a it's such a well crafted <laughs> record, and it's also it's long. It has twenty one songs on it. A couple of great collaborations with Sarah McLachlan and a relatively unknown at the time Canadian crooner Michael Bublé. Mm.
0: Indeed,
2: uh, it's also it's a lot of fun, uh, but maybe a little bit just a little bit too much fun, and not quite as memorable. For a brief moment, I thought it might be Mannheim Steamroller. That was your Um, mom's favorite. And that's more, it's more of my mom. Other than Jazz Band, where we used to play a lot of those songs, I had no real connection to it other than my mom loved listening to it. it Could have easily been When My Heart Finds Christmas by Harry Connick Jr. It is one of the quintessential holiday records. Uh, Went triple platinum. We still listen to it every year. It was also the first holiday record that we really listened to as a couple, Oh. I had for years oh. and years, hard uh, hands. right, hard hands for years and years, I had become more and more disillusioned with the whole Christmas machine uh, in my late teens. And I'm sure that was a product of me being the youngest in the family in the joy of the holiday kind of changed to the commercialism of the holiday. Uh, get everyone gifts because you have to it became very heartless as I got in my late teens. Just something you did. And then I met Heather. Uh, She's the second oldest of six, so when I went to hang out with her family on Christmas, there was plenty of joy and excitement and love in their own particular way. Uh, And she changed it all for me. In fact, she changed it for the whole family, my whole family. Uh, We had the same decorations year after year. They went in the same places. We made the same cookies. We did the same thing, less out of tradition and more out of complacency. And here she is breath of fresh air just rolling in. She changes everything. First thing she did, bring in a second tree, more decorations.
1: It started that early on.
2: Yeah. Huh? More decorations, more lights, more joy, more fun. And while this record, One My Heart Finds Christmas by Harry Connick, holds a lot of special meaning to me, it's the word joy that I began to hover on. This record doesn't give me all of the joy. I love it. It's enjoyable to listen to, but I'm not filled with joy in this year, this year that needs joy above all else that needs fun and imagination and the suspension of reality because reality is just so awful right now. I choose joy. I chose not the best sounding record, not the most popular record I chose as my favorite holiday record John Denver and the Muppets, A Christmas Together. Hey! because Because it is with that record that I have had the most joy of my life. From being a kid hanging with my mom, to now decorating the trees with Heather, to sharing that love with my kids. This record fills me with joy. A Christmas Together was released In 1979, as the soundtrack companion to the special that aired on December 5th, 1979 on ABC. I remember watching the special with my mom. I was sitting at the kitchen table, doing my holiday duty of helping my mom with Christmas cookies. I had one job, crush the nuts. So we had this little glass jar, and on the top was a hand crank with some metal teeth in the cylinder. I would load it up with walnuts and crush them. For her cookies,
1: was yours uh, green, yellow, or brown?
0: It was. It, it, we still have it. Yeah, and it it is yellow and brown. Ah, okay. like with like little diamond. Ooh, you got design the fancy. On one. Got the yes, fancy. One.
2: Did it every year. Mom would pour me a glass of uh, eggnog, which I always hated back then, and watch whatever specials would come on. For a few years, there was a one eight hundred number that was a direct dial to Santa, and I got to do that a few times. Uh, the times were simpler. The music reflected that, but it was filled with so much love, so much joy. So I'm not going to go specifically like you guys. I'm not going to go necessarily track by track, but I'm going to highlight a few songs. And I, I read a bunch of reviews about this. People most likely discounted this as a children's album. Too simple and silly. But isn't that what we want so much when we get older? That innocence. That innocence. Everything has to become so serious. I think we all go through this period where we start to lose the Christmas spirit. Uh, That point when we get into adolescence and get jaded by the pressure and commercialization of it all seems like such a grind. And for a lot of us, it doesn't make a return appearance until we have kids of our own. We get to live vicariously through them, see the fun and excitement on Christmas morning. We get to see their faces light up with Christmas music again, stuff they haven't heard. So the first song that I chose was The Peace Carol. It's a standout song for me because it isn't a traditional carol. It's a lovely little folk song that was originally written in the 1960s by composer Bob Beers. Uh, It's a great song that incorporates a lot of the Muppets singing normally, you know, not trying to be silly like the Muppets normally did. Uh, I'm a huge history buff, and this song reminds me so much of the Christmas truce of World War I. For anyone not familiar with that, the Christmas truce occurred five months into World War I in 1914 along the Western Front of the war in Europe, when over 100,000 soldiers intentionally and informally had a ceasefire during the Christmas holidays. There were handshakes, they exchanged food and souvenirs, even football games broke out, and spontaneous carol singing lasted just a few days, but was a welcome break from the war and even allowed armies to go into enemy territory and collect their dead to bring them back and bury them appropriately. The lyrics of this song kind of allude to it, like this clip right here.
3: The garment of life be it tattered and torn The cloak of the soldier is weathered and worn But what child is this that was poverty born The brush that bears the bright holly, the dove that rests in yonder tree, the light that shines for all to see, the peace of Christmas Day.
2: Mm. Also, it's one of the rare times, really rare times in the Muppets experience that Scooter gets some love. He was always one of my favorite uh, favorites on The Muppet Show in the 70s, because he was always involved in everything, but never got any of the headlines.
3: <laughs>
2: so this gives him some spotlight, which is cool. So musically, the song definitely sounds like it was recorded in the 70s. Lots of electric organ. Denver always sounded like that era. Yeah. Like the 70s. That's just what he sounded like. But it's a nice little song. There's other songs, that, like uh, there's a version of Little Saint Nick, which... You'd probably appreciate by Brian Wilson. Oh, there we go. So it's a they an updated, slightly updated uh, version of Little Saint Nick. There's uh Twelve Days of Christmas. There's there's a lot of fun with the Muppets, Miss Piggy, you know, Piggy Pudding, Piggy Pudding, Figgy <laughs> Figgy Pudding, fitting Figgy, made with ham and bacon and bacon, <laughs> <Pigs. laughs> uh, and the Christmas is coming the goose is getting fat.
0: At least you put a penny in the old man's hat. That's right. If
2: you haven't got a penny, a, a hay penny, hey penny will do. do. If you haven't got a hay penny.
0: Then God bless you.
2: That's right. It's just, uh, it's fun. A uh, second song that I chose to highlight on this record is When the River Meets the Sea. And this is technically not a holiday song based on the lyrics it could be sung at any time of the year. However, it was originally written and recorded for another Muppet special, my personal favorite holiday special, Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. Uh, That special was released in 1977, two years before this one. The song was written by composer Paul Williams. Williams wrote the songs Fill Your Heart by David Bowie, Rainy Days and Mondays by The Carpenters, Evergreen performed by Barbara Streisand, which was the title song to The Star is Born and for which he received the Oscar and the Grammy. And of course, he wrote another song, Exclusively linked to the Muppets, the Rainbow Connection. He's currently the president of ASCAP, the American Society of Composers, Authors, and Publishers. So this gem of his gets overlooked, but it has become one of my favorites because it feels like Christmas without specifically talking about the holiday at all. And it sounds like this.
3: Sure and steady hand when the river meets the sea.
2: again some more electric organ and again we get a lesser used mu- Muppet here which to me is fun this is Robin Kermit's nephew another frog what's funny is I listen to these songs individually and they do do sound cheesy by themselves. <laughs> they do. I usually only listen to this as a whole record and you end up getting wrapped up in the emotion of it's the entire kickoff
0: thing. kickoff song for the season. Yeah,
2: you get swept away by the memories, where I was, who I was with. I could see the mantle in the home I grew up in with the garland stretched across the whole thing, putting the same string of lights in it, putting the aluminum foil angel that my sister made in the 1960s up at one end, That stuff just comes rushing back like a flood. And that doesn't happen when I listen to these songs by themselves. They sound completely out of context and they sound really simple and cheesy. But that's why you listen to it as a whole package. One point of connection here for us, Kyle, to a recent episode of Audio Judo. There's a lyric in this song at the very end, uh, what a newborn baby dreams is a mystery. Kyle and I actually talked about that on our Bare Naked Ladies episode, hmm. episode number 40, which was released on November 13th. In case anyone's interested, go back and listen to that. Uh, third one that I chose uh, will be familiar to any of you who listened to our holiday episode last year. It is Noel, Christmas Eve, 1913. It is a hauntingly beautiful song, and it is usually the point on listening to the record that I lose it. And Heather has to come in the room and give me a hug. It is the apex of emotion and it gets overwhelming, and I just, I'm gone.
0: But it is. Hold it together.
2: I can't. But it's so cathartic for me to go through that kind of exercise the demons and move towards the holiday. Glad that I had those experiences that elicit that response. And it does fill me with joy, but only after a certain degree of pain, you know? Hmm. Like after pain comes joy where you're like I got to I got to process and go through this to get to get to that point where you're like okay I know where we're at in the season this is what it sounds like right here Listening back to the choices that I made and something that Kyle said earlier, it's not like I'm listening to that depressing
0: <laughs> holiday
2: music. <laughs> I realize that every song that I chose from the record that I chose is really kind of down.
0: But I would say, I, like, you don't choose... The music when we're at home most of the time, no. when around the holiday season. Yeah, because I'm everybody usually the one that's depressed. Well, no, I mean, I'm I'm usually just kind <laughs> of cycling through okay. the different, uh, you know, albums that yeah. we have. So it, I, I guess, I don't notice that because he's yeah. not just picking it out. And you know, when we sit in the car, we listen to XM radio There's stations, holiday traditions, traditions, traditions or whatever, yeah. and so it just kind of cycles through. So.
2: I just realized that I just he would
0: be depressed.
2: Well, I I pick those because of what they mean. But we've talked about um, we've talked about palate cleansers before. Yes, like songs that kind of break you out of that rut. And the way I look at this record is every other song in between the three that I chose is the palate cleanser. It's the fun Muppets silliness. It's it's the joy in the in the crazy, and and you're laughing, and you're singing, and then you get these little pockets of very serious, very emotive, very provocative kind of sounds. And that's kind of where I ended up. So um, that song, it's based on a poem by Robert Bridges. He was the Poet Laureate of the United Kingdom from 1913 to 1920. And he gained popularity by writing a number of hymns, some still being sung in churches across the UK to this day. However, this is the only example of his work being used uh, contemporarily. Uh, the music was composed by Lee Holdridge, who won a couple Emmys for his work for daytime television and for some other stuff. Uh, and there's nothing really groundbreaking in my any of my choices, but it speaks to my heart. It speaks to uh, it speaks to the emotion of Christmas more than any record i've ever listened to at any time of year because of where it takes me it's 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 really the only one that i can't not listen to every year like it begins the christmas season and it's always been it's always been like that is it i mean is there something something like that for you Ooh. like is it like is there a like is there like music you have to listen to every year
1: not really to be honest with you um there's not anything like,
2: like Did you listen to something with your grandma and grandpa? Like,
1: So music-wise, no. There is a poem that my grandma used to always call. So when the first snow of the year happened every year, usually before Thanksgiving, uh, my grandma would call and recite this poem. And I should have it memorized after all these years, and I don't. But I will see if I can find a copy of it somewhere online. It's... But it's like it's called like the turkey's lament, I want to say. I like that. And it's all about this turkey speaking about how because it started to snow, it knows that Thanksgiving is coming, always so it's soon it. going to be dead. <laughs> it's funny. And my Thanks grandma's- grandma. Yeah, right? Terrible. <laughs> it's very funny. It's it's not like a serious poem. Right. But uh, that's really the only thing that like tradition-wise always happened every year.
2: We I were, know you have some. We were very non-traditional. I know you have some that- <laughs> That I your,
0: pull out first
2: from your childhood that yeah. that stuff that elicits those
0: Kenny and Dolly. Come on,
2: a hard candy Christmas. Yeah, we it's, talked about I, that last I know, year. We did, yeah.
0: we did. I didn't pick it though, but it is near and dear.
2: But that, that's just that's kind of that's where I go. Those,
0: Andre Bocelli,
2: oh, yeah. And but those are those are my choices. I wasn't nearly as long winded as Kyle expected me to be. <laughs> uh,
1: no, very brief. I liked it though, it was uh, very, uh, very good. Uh, Honestly, I I did not even remember that Christmas album,
2: the John Denver one. Yeah, because
1: yeah. I always think of I don't let me rephrase that. I don't ever remember that it's John Denver. I remember the Muppets having a Christmas album from around that time period, but I never remember John Denver as being part of it. So
2: that's sad. <laughs> yeah, sorry, John Denver. John who? <laughs> Dusseldorf. John Dusseldorf. That's his real last name. Uh...
1: Gone too soon. Yeah, definitely.
2: So I want to, I want to thank my lovely wife Heather for once again stepping in for our holiday episode and bringing your knowledge, yeah. and holiday spirit to our shenanigans. We got to go over one more thing. Though. Go ahead. We appreciate it, by the way.
1: We do appreciate it. But uh, do you guys have any also rans?
2: I I mentioned my also rans in my lead up. Okay. So the uh, 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 Harry Connick, yes, uh, Mannheim Steamroller. Mm-hmm. Bare Naked for the Holidays, uh, and I think I mentioned one other one. What was it? It was... Uh... uh, uh Berry Christmas.
0: Ah, uh, yes. Berry yes. Christmas.
1: Uh, Ella Fitzgerald. Ella Wishes You a swinging Christmas is a fantastic, jazzy album. I do love to swing. Right? And it's, it's very good. A Christmas gift for you from Phil Spector. If you have never heard this, it's one of the best mixed Christmas albums of all time because it's a bunch of different acts. That wall
2: of sound though, isn't it? It is,
1: yeah. But this is uh the Ronette's version of Sleigh Ride that absolutely everybody has heard. Oh. It came from this album. Uh and so did uh the Darlene Love version of uh, Christmas baby please come home. This mm. this whole album is just it's uh really, really cool. Uh
2: finally well, you, have, you have an old so go ahead. What was your steamrollers last one on the but you, you have an old soul. I do. Like he, Ronettes, Phil Spector, The Ventures. I grew
1: up listening to music that was 30 years before my time. Yeah. And, you know, on the one hand, it's uh, awesome because I can talk about that music.
2: I'm just getting that more and more.
1: The other hand is that uh, I could not connect with any of my friends whatsoever. And they're like, have you heard Nine Inch Nails? I'm like, yeah, of course I have. (laughs) They're
2: great. It's funny because I look at the calendar of what we've done and what we're doing and it's like, who keeps picking the albums in like 65 to 72 range? That's you. Yep.
1: Hello. You got to have variety. It's what I'm most familiar with. Right.
2: And then you like, okay, the zombies record. And now I got to go like <sighs> shoehorn that shit in.
1: That can come later though. That can come. <laughs> that can come much later. Cause it's a, it's a it, classic. <laughs> yeah, 2024. <It's> a, 2024. <laughs> like I said in the note. <laughs> you got any, Heather? You got any
0: also-rans? Also Other than the ones that I just said. Yes. Um, you know what's weird is that I actually like to listen to- the albums that are a variety of artists, mm-hmm. so like the a very special Christmas or a very merry Christmas or a, a time life collection yeah, of holiday absolutely. favorites. <laughs> like and you know because they do they always put the best of the best on yeah. those on those and they're the traditional songs and there's the the newer versions. There's the country Christmas, a Victoria's the, Secret collection I of holidays. Best. That yeah, <laughs> I have the naughty and nice albums well, from yeah from Victoria's Secret. So. <laughs> Um, Whoa! It, it, <laughs> so it's, it, I kind of, other than those, those normal go-tos, those are the other ones that I listen to are the, the variety albums. Okay. Yeah. I, I it's like kind of it. like the, the, the radio Matthew kind of makes fun of me all the time because I'm not the type of person that sits down and listens to an album start to finish and start to finish and start to finish, a new album comes out and he'll listen to it ad nauseum for like two, three weeks. Literally until somebody throws not up. I do that. <laughs> I am the person that wants to listen to the radio and with XM and all the different stations and, and all of that, I can just kind of filter through and I don't have to listen to the same thing over and over again.
1: I hate the radio. I like variety. <laughs> Potato, I, potato, tomato, tomato.
2: Let's, let's call, call the whole thing.
1: There it is. So uh, I do have a, a challenge for our listeners. Oh, as a well, a challenge? So uh I was looking around a challenge <laughs> challenge. <accepted. laughs> and he's in prison. What is it? So uh the challenge for our listeners. When when we were talking about <laughs> Christmas albums, I was trying to find a Christmas concept album. Mm. Where the concept is not just Christmas music, and it's not a holdover from like a Christmas play, so it's a bunch of music from a Christmas play or a Christmas so not movie, like the Nutcracker, exactly. Okay, is there has anybody created out there a Christmas concept album that is all Christmas music, but the concept of the album is what holds it together beyond just being Christmas music? Whoa, I you could, just blew my mind. I could not find anything. I could not find anything. I looked around for a couple of days on and off, could not find anything. If anybody out there knows of one, please let us know. Get anything else you want to get in touch with us about as well. Uh, info at audiojudo.com, facebook.com forward slash audiojudo, uh, Instagram and Twitter at audiojudo. Uh,
2: yeah. So we we hope again that if you are listening to this on Christmas, Merry Christmas. Thank you for spending time with us. And if it's after, we sincerely hope that you had an amazing holiday, considering the circumstances of this year. Make the most of the time, everyone. Hug the people you are able to hug. Yes. A little tighter, and hope for better things in 2021. Come back and listen to us in a couple of weeks with our best, of, uh, best Albums of 2020 episode. Oh, yeah. We just hope everyone's doing okay. And, you know, find the joy in this holiday. I know it's difficult. I know it's... A weird year, I know it's probably harder than most years to find that joy, but it's there somewhere in a special, in a song, in a present, in in something. Just go out there and find it. Hey, let us know what you're thinking. Like you said, info.audiojudo.com or any of our social media platforms, and we will see you in a couple of weeks. Take care, everybody. Merry Christmas.
0: Merry Christmas to all, and to all a good night.